DiscerningHearts.com presents Communion with Christ, Practical Prayer with Deacon James Keating. Deacon Keating is a professor of spiritual theology at Kenrick Lennon Seminary in St. Louis, Missouri. He has formerly served as the Director of Theological Formation at the Institute for Priestly Formation. He is the author of numerous books, including Heart of the Diaconate, Remain in Me, Spousal Prayer, and Listening for Truth. He has given more than 400 workshops on moral theology and spirituality and regularly conducts retreats. Communion with Christ, Practical Prayer with Deacon James Keating. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Over the last several segments, we've been looking at Christian prayer, particularly that those sections in the Catechism of the Catholic Church that teaches us the importance of prayer, its origins, and how we can enter into prayer. And in Chapter 2, The Tradition of Prayer, paragraph 2650 to be very specific, it states that prayer cannot be reduced to the spontaneous outpouring of interior impulse. In order to pray, one must have the will to pray. The will to pray is so important to to reflect on because uh, desires and emotions that might be spontaneous, uh, as we know, uh, can be fickle. They can come and go. To establish a relationship with Christ in our heart, there really does have to be a dedication to time of prayer, a, a dedication to a commitment from the will to pray. And again, this is just uh, a simple nuptial truth that uh, when you love someone, uh, you will to be with them. You will to listen to them, for them. You even search for them. You await their coming. You will to be available. You will to be one who waits for the beloved to come. And this is just a, a fact about nuptial love. And the same is true here with our prayer life, that those of us who are serious about prayer, we will wait, we will make ourselves available, we will dedicate time to listen, to search, to behold our beloved. And in this way, the beloved, who is God, will become internalized in us because of our commitment from the will to listen, to search, to see him. And the internalization of the beloved is the key to all prayer. Once the beloved is internalized, then we can follow Paul's lead and pray always. And again, as we noted before, to become a prayer ourselves. And so we do need to set aside specific time to pray. Now, during that specific time, there may be spontaneous outpourings of feelings, hopefully generated by the Holy Spirit, and not just wishful thinking on our part. And discernment will tell the difference, and the fruits of our prayer will be able to tell the difference too. We don't want to get too wrapped up in detailed discernment about what we're feeling in the prayer uh, to the point that we become somewhat obsessive about it. You'll know that your prayer life is progressing by the fruit of your life. If, in fact, you are treating your children better, your spouse better, you're treating your co-workers better, 
you're reaching out to the poor. So in other words, that your character is being transformed. That's the real proof of the fact that you have prayed and you're becoming prayer. The Catechism also teaches us very clearly that we have to learn how to pray. Now this, again, is self-evident for those who are in a marriage life, where when you're just kind of thrown into marriage, and a lot of times you need help along the way. You need help by way of a third party, a counselor, a good priest, a spiritual director, who's actually assisting you with learning how to communicate with your spouse. Now, in the ideal world, that should have been done by our parents. Our parents are the first teachers of how to be married. But because of limit, finitude, sin, neuroses, other types of emotional or mental uh, problems in families and between our mothers and our fathers, they perhaps were incapable of doing it, didn't know how to do it themselves. And again, you go back and perhaps their parents didn't teach them either. But in the ideal world, and part of our pastoral ministry today in marriage preparation, should be to prepare couples to teach their own children how to communicate with their future spouse. Using that as an analogy, we see that, once again, uh, prayer is not natural to us. Just like communicating uh, the depth of our emotion to our spouse a lot of times is not natural to us. We have to learn it. Those who teach us how to pray should be our spiritual fathers, the priests. And for various reasons, similar to the ones as to, on the natural level, why our parents didn't teach us how to communicate with our spouse, a lot of times, priests are in the same boat. They have neurotic problems. They have emotional problems. Perhaps they themselves don't know how to pray. Perhaps they don't see their role as priest in this leadership area of teaching people how to pray. And so we're bereft of teachers of prayer. And so the catechism is saying, you must will to pray. And then it's very quickly following up with, and you must learn how to pray. And yet, who are our teachers? Where are the teachers of prayer? And a lot of times we'll say, well, the Holy Spirit will teach me. True, the Holy Spirit will teach you. But a lot of times we need some uh, assistance from the outside, some guide. We don't go into foreign territory without a guide. And uh, the interior of the soul is foreign to us. And it's always better to have someone who's been in there first to be our teacher. And so right off here in chapter 2, we have a stunning problem. First problem is, do we have the strength of will to dedicate ourselves to prayer? And second, if we do, who's going to teach us how to pray? And so we must call our leaders to this. All too often, I believe the lady don't necessarily call their priest out. Again, if you use the marriage example, Children sometimes will call their father out. You don't spend time with us. You don't play with us. You're not with us a lot. And here we're not talking about just sort of uh, bumper sticker type slogan ideas about being a dad. I play ball in the backyard with my kid or something like that. But this overwhelming need that the child has to be with the parent. Either it's just washing dishes or sitting alone together in, a, in the living room or being uh, Some children just want to be in your presence as you're reading the paper or as you're listening to music. So it's not a matter of, uh, I don't have time to go out in the backyard and play ball or I don't have time to take you to the dance or the ballet or whatever. It's just this, I want to be with you. 
And if parents respond to that, cry, this is the cry of childhood, I want to be with you, then in responding positively to that, the child matures, the child is healed, the child develops correctly. And we must begin to do this with our priests. Father, I want to be with the Lord, and I need your help. Can you be available so that we can be in one another's presence and you can actually teach me how you are available to the Lord? Now, of course, if the priest is not available to the Lord, he's got a problem. And uh, that problem uh, will be embarrassing to him because he is supposed to be our spiritual master. So that the people themselves almost gift the priest with his identity as spiritual father, if they call out to him, teach us how to pray. So in this very first paragraph, we are shown that we need a commitment and that we need a teacher. I'm impressed by what you've just said because really a pastor of a parish has many children that may be calling him to that relationship, to seeking out that instruction Ultimately, then, the the parish becomes the school of prayer. Exactly. And again, John Paul II was the great advocate of the parish as the school of prayer. And as you said, he's our spiritual father. He's got many children crying out many needs. And a lot of the children are not crying out this need. A lot of the children are crying out the need to share in political power of the parish. Or sharing, or try and cry out in what we would call, you know, in the family, a lot of whining. Mm-hmm. a whining about little things in the parish that are just annoying to the priest. And you want to say to some of these people, you know, take care of it on your own or, or grow up or mature. Uh, let this man alone so that he can be free to do what he has um, as his noble uh, goal. And the noble goal of the priest is to give his life leading other people to Christ. And there's so much politicization in the parish and so much power struggle, and we work out our own emotional problems as parish leaders and, and parishioners in the parish setting, using the priest as a whipping boy or trying to blame everything on the priest or see the priest as a mini-savior. So yes, he has lots of children, and a lot of these children have lots of problems. And he has to do a very profound discernment. And the discernment is about, what's the greater good of my priesthood? Where should I put my time? And in his discernment of this, it is not of little importance for him to discern his own happiness regarding that time. Now, if he's a healthy male, emotionally and spiritually, he gave up a wife and children so that he could teach people how to pray. And he probably didn't even articulate this clearly in the seminary. But as he grew older, he realized, what did I sacrifice this good for, if not to lead people into holiness? And so all of the swirl around him, all of this whining and crying for his attention from his children, this all has to be calmed and has to be made peaceful so that he can discern what is his authentic presence Why did I sacrifice wife and child? It was to lead people in. It was to lead people to Christ. 
And hopefully, if he can hear this call, he will be regenerated or created as a spiritual father. And in that, he will become happy. In 2650, it says that it's not enough to know what the scriptures reveal about prayer. One must also learn how to pray. And it's through that living transmission, that sacred tradition that's within the church, that that's broken open to us from that leadership from our priests. Right. They are the experts in spirituality. And even if they delegate that duty to others in the parish, it should be that at one level, they are the masters of prayer. We, we do a lot of this delegating of duty in the parish because of the size of our parishes. And we even send people off, lay people off, sisters off, deacons off, to study and get higher degrees at schools. Is that really necessary? Is it really necessary to send people off when ideally we have a master in the house? Mm-hmm. He has a master's degree in theology. Why can't he teach people how to teach people how to pray? And again, the yell will go up and there'll be lots of clamor about this suggestion. From the priest, I'm so busy. From the priest, frankly, I'm not interested in spirituality. From his collaborators, hey, why is he the master? Why don't I have the class? Why don't I have the power? I have the doctorate. I have the masters. I know more than the priest. Mm -hmm. And so there'll be lots of clamor to re- settle or to recenter the priest as the teacher of prayer. But I truly believe in understanding the theology of the priesthood, that only if he actually takes the center as the teacher of prayer will the many, many gifts that came with his ordination be released fully to the people. If he continues to hide, marginalize, delegate, he will simply be what he wants to be, or simply feels like he's compelled to be, which is the parish manager. And for my way of thinking, why in the world did you give up the beauty of wife and children to be a parish manager? Where is the erotic energy in that? Christ has set the man aside to be embodied in the way that he was embodied as a chaste celibate, because the Holy Spirit wanted to fill this man with such power and passion for the Lord that it would spill out in ways uh, of his spiritual mentoring of the people of his parish. Now, of course, if there is a priest out there who's doing this, uh, his heartache will be like every father's heartache. My children don't respond. But at least he knows that he's being a faithful father. He's not saying, my children don't respond, Therefore, I'll get distracted and go out in the backyard and build birdhouses. That's not why he became a father. He's only doing that because he feels frustrated that his children won't listen to his teachings or his children don't want to be in his presence. Find out why your children don't listen to your teachings. Find out why they don't want to be in your presence. Don't uh, marginalize that reality by becoming distracted with something else, a hobby or something like that. The famous... uh, critique of priests that all they do is go off and play golf. That's funny in a way, but that's pathetic in another way. The other way that it's pathetic is that a lot of them take up hobbies or even contemplate second jobs or contemplate volunteering in fire departments because their children don't respond. 
they literally have nothing to do in the area of spirituality. They have lots to do about puttering around the office, but literally nothing to do in the area of spirituality because their children don't respond. So this is the great tragedy of the contemporary priesthood. I've given up all this. I have all this expertise that I could receive and claim as my own from the graces of my ordination, and yet my children don't come to learn how to pray for me. And on the other front, he's battling people who want to rival his position as teacher of prayer in the parish. And then he's also battling his own, his own difficulties. He's not interested in prayer. Uh, he has perhaps lost the faith. Uh, he's become cynical about all things Catholic. So these are a great battleground here for Satan, a, be- a great diabolical battleground to restore, hopefully, the priest as the teacher of prayer for the parish. We'll return in just a moment to Communion with Christ, Practical Prayer, with Deacon James Keating. Did you know that Discerning Hearts has a free app in which you can find all your favorite Discerning Hearts programming? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Deacon James Keating, Mike Aquilina, Dr. Matthew Bunsen, and so many more are found on the Discerning Hearts free app. Did you also know that you can stream Discerning Hearts programming on numerous streaming platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and so many more. And did you know that Discerning Hearts also has the YouTube page? Be sure to check out all these different places where you can find Discerning Hearts. Litany of Humility O Jesus, meek and humble of heart, hear me. From the desire of being esteemed, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being loved, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being extolled, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being honored, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being praised, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being preferred to others, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being consulted, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being approved, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being humiliated, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being despised, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of suffering rebukes, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being calumniated. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being forgotten. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being ridiculed. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being wronged. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being suspected. Deliver me, Jesus. That others may be loved more than I. That others may be esteemed more than I that in the opinion of the world others may increase and I may decrease, that others may be chosen and I set aside, that others may be praised and I unnoticed, that others may be preferred to me in everything, that others may become holier than I, provided that I become as holy as I should. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. Amen.
Hello, my name is Deacon Omar Gutierrez, and I want to ask you to support Discerning Hearts in a special way. We, Chris McGregor, the board, and I all know that not everyone listening can help financially. We know we have listeners from all parts of the world, and we have made a commitment since the beginning to make the truths shared through Discerning Hearts totally free. So while you may not be able to contribute financially, what you can do is certainly pray, but also give us positive reviews on whatever platform you use to listen to us. If it's iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, however it is that you get these podcasts, or if you're on YouTube and you like our videos, please give us a good rating and write a review. The more good ratings and reviews we get, the higher our profile, and the more listeners will discover us, listeners who may have the means to contribute in the future. Please consider rating us and writing a positive review today. We now return to Communion with Christ. Practical Prayer with Deacon James Keating. Your words put a great onus on the faithful to come to the parish, to come to the church with an openness of heart to allow the Holy Spirit to pour forth into that person of faith through the teachings, through the sacraments which are being offered by that priest. We go every other place as Americans. We go, we're, we're very willing to go to the occult. We're, we're very willing to go to New Age. We're very willing to go to psychologists. We're, we're very willing to go to universities. We all think universities are the great font of wisdom. We all run off there. But why are we so unwilling to challenge the man who is trained in all things spiritual and theological right around the corner, or lives right around the corner from us, and just simply say to him, be our teacher. Be our teacher. And, and of course, since you're the first one who says that to a parish priest, he may balk at it. He may say, well, what do you mean? Or, or how can I help you? Keep going. Keep going back to him. Keep challenging him. In other words, keep challenging him to receive his spiritual fatherhood so that the gifts will be un- unleashed in him. Then take your friends and then ask him how to help. What can we do to help you be a teacher of prayer? What do you need? We're dying on the vine here, Father. The homilies don't feed us. The very sacrament of the Eucharist doesn't feed us. I don't know how to read spiritual readings. I feel like I come to Mass as an obligation and go home. I'm dying on the vine. My soul is dying. I need someone to help me to go in. Why do you refuse to help me to go in? And I don't necessarily want you to push me off to somebody else. Oh, go to Sister So-and-so or Dr. So-and-so. They're experts. Oh, why can't you teach me? You're my pastor. We want you to lead us to the mystery. And that's, of course, why he set aside his life. And the lay people do have a burden here. First of all, to recognize that they need to be taught how to pray, as 2650 tells us. But then the burden is to have the courage to enable, by asking, the man who Christ has given them to be a teacher of prayer. Now, I'm not saying that the, pre- the, the priest can't have collaborators. If this becomes successful, in other words, if his whole parish begins to look to him as a spiritual master, then, of course, he will need collaborators to help him. There will be other people that he will train in the ways of teaching how to pray, and that will be sufficient, that will be good. But right now, we're not anywhere near that. We're not anywhere near where I've ever heard a priest say, I'm overwhelmed with people asking me how to pray. We're not near there. Since we're not near that uh, 
I think we have to challenge the priest to begin this renewal within his own heart and then to share that renewal with us as his people. I'll try hard not to sound judgmental, but what I do hear clamoring is, Father, why don't you care about the sports club? Why don't you care about this pack group? Why don't you care about this particular boutique? Their voices are so loud sometimes, Deacon Keating, that how does the priest minimize that? How does he keep it balanced? Well, he has to set the parameters for his own priesthood out of the essence of, of what he knows a priest to be. It's funny in an age of where, where people are, are spurning the whole role of the father that uh, lay people would clamor to have a priest at a sporting event. What is that all about? Is there, is there a deep need for the holy that they can't even articulate? And, and therefore, they don't want necessarily to be converted from secular ideas, from secular venues. But they want the priest there to bless that. They want them there to bless their obsession with sports or to bless their obsession with some hobby or bless their obsession with some uh, sideline of parish life. Because they want to feel comfortable that the holy has showed up. But they really don't want the holy to touch them, to burn in them. And so they use the priest as a mascot, as a charm. Uh, They almost use the priest as a... um, a status symbol. See, the priest showed up at our event. What if the priest showed up at your event and called you to repentance, called you to holiness, actually said more uh, of a deeper prayer than you ever imagined he would at your uh, rummage sale? Would you be embarrassed? Would you think that this priest is out of line? Hey, look, you're just supposed to be our, our, our mascot. You're not supposed to get serious here about leading us into Christ. So, There is this strange uh, juxtaposition, contradiction in the lay world today. We don't want a father. We don't want anyone leading us. We're we're adults. We can take care of ourselves. We're all going to be collaborators. And yet there's still something very deep in the symbol system that wants father to hang around. To some extent, father, when he prays to the essence of his priesthood, will know will know what is the greater good and will know what he has to spend time doing. And he will know what people really need. And my sense is he'll come up with a feeling that they don't really need him just hanging around as a mascot. They need to hear his challenge to a new kind of life. And of course, all these things in parish life are good, but they're ancillary. Rummage sales, sports, We don't gather together at St. X's Parish so that we can uh, populate the world with rummage sales and sporting events or dinners. We gather together at a parish so that collectively we can be led by the one who has been chosen by Christ as an altar Christus, as another Christ, led by him into the depths of our baptism into the depths of a relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, into the depths of the mystery of prayer. That's why we gather together as a parish. And then from that prayer, the Lord pushes us out primarily to the poor, to those who are in need. Yes, to our families, renew them first. To our children, pay attention to them first. 
but then beyond that to the culture. So a lot of things that we try to involve our priest in, to some extent, could be distractions to his real authority and power. And again, the power will flow through him. It will be power of healing. It will be power of teaching. It will be power of governing. It will flow through him as he tries to order all of us toward holiness. The question is, do we want him to do that? Do we want our priest to be a father? Or do we like him as a mascot? Deacon James Keating, thank you so much for teaching this this important truth about the Church's teachings on Christian prayer. Could you bestow a blessing upon us? Lord Jesus Christ, we rejoice in the fact that you have given us the Holy Spirit, your Spirit, the Spirit that leads us back, back to the ground of all being, the love of the Father and the Son, the Son and the Father. Bear us on your Spirit. Help us to participate in the love that you have for us and the love that is God himself. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Deacon Katie. You've been listening to Communion with Christ, Practical Prayer with Deacon James Keating. To hear and or to download this episode, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com or you can find it within the free Discerning Hearts app. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about discerninghearts.com and join us next time for Communion with Christ. Practical Prayer with Deacon James Keating.